What is up, everybody? Blueandgold.com's Mike Singer, and I am joined, as always, by former Notre Dame Fighting Irish, former Irish captain and linebacker Mike Goolsby, played in the early 2000s. Mike, special live show here today. Break down Notre Dame's 42-26 to victory over Florida State, a game where Notre Dame put up 353 yards on the ground. <coughs> Ian Book threw for 201 and two touchdowns and uh, also had a rushing touchdown. We'll surely get into all of those topics. If you are watching this on YouTube, whether it's live or you're watching it back, please go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you are listening back via Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this, please rate us with a five-star review. That really helps us out. This live show and podcast is sponsored by Blakeway Panoramas, which is bringing some fighting Irish spirit to my home office. Their large panoramic prints create a fan-worthy focal point in your home, office, or fan cave to make the perfect gift for the Notre Dame fan in your life. See the entire Notre Dame sports collection at panoramas.com or bluegoldonline.com. All right, Mike, so... 42-26 victory for the Fighting Irish. Let's get right into your instant takeaways. You know, Notre Dame improves to 3-0. and They're number four in the AP and coaches poll now. What were the takeaways from the game for you? It was nice to see the um, kind of a complete game from the offense. And we've touched on it during our previous conversations, Mike. Kind of like uh, with the season as it's progressed – stop start like it's kind of gone um we've kind of been building on offense um you get a couple key players back and Lindsay in particular um and you see book was made a concerted effort to push the ball downfield which we haven't seen um so it's just nice to kind of see the the offense really start to gel um and we've got a couple different several different weapons at our disposal my takeaway watching the game for the second time i'm a little bit concerned about the defense um fsu is not a great team you're playing a quarterback who's ostensibly starting his first second game um who played well and i mean florida state for all intents and purposes they ran the ball well um so that was my i feel really good about the offense coming out of the game um but there's still some question marks uh, defensively speaking that we'll need to continue to progress and patch up. You know, we got a month or so until our, the, the, the Clemson game, you know, our Super Bowl. So that was my immediate takeaway. Mike kind of, you know, going to bed last night, I was disappointed in the defense. Um, and then, you know, rewatching it today, it just reinforced that. Considering that, all right, Notre Dame gave up 26 points to a Florida State team that um, has struggled uh, offensively this year for sure, and uh, they've had a little bit of a quarterback <clears throat> controversy and dilemma there, but still talented offense. Notre Dame had two turnovers right away, and then Florida State scored 10 points on there. So, you know, uh, kind of considering some of those things, does that make you a little bit less worried? It's all right. It was more, you know, maybe – uh, the offense is to, to blame for some of those points. So, I mean, you know, my, my takeaway was hey, maybe the defense wasn't as bad as it seemed. Um, 
Yeah, we, we've said that before. It's never as good as it seems. It's never as bad as it seems until you go kind of go back and watch the tape. But you watch sure. the tape, and it wasn't great. Um, it did feel like you had said after that second turnover, the muff punt, you could almost feel like the energy level kind of drop, which is something else I'd like to talk about. Without the fans in the stands and the full capacity, even for a night game, we'll get to this, but how do you create more excitement and create more juice Um they kind of keep that sustained energy level throughout the course of the game. It's something to watch, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, you look at the statistics, Mike, if we're going to jump into it, but like as an ex middle linebacker, you know, our linebackers, they're not making a ton of plays. And the real concern for me is that same sort of shotgun inside zone quarterback, keep kind of follow through type um, offense. Clemson runs the same thing. So there was a couple drives where Florida just Florida State had a nice had nice drives and four yards here, six yards here, three yards here. We weren't we never we we're just leaky on the defensive side of the ball, um, and we've got to fix that. And people got to fill their gaps, and we have to be more sound on on run different on run uh, defense. On the bright side, we did finally get a an interception, which I've been asking for. So that was really nice to see. And Crawford you know, gave up a long play and kind of came back and redeemed himself. So that was nice, but we got a, run, a leaky run defense, and that's going to need to be addressed. Um, we didn't have Jack Kaiser available, apparently. Um, but that, that's just, it was, it, it was bothersome. It was annoying to watch um, us give up a 26, 26 points. And um, yeah, it's just a little frustrating. Yeah, to play a little bit of devil's advocate again, they had the two bye weeks where it wasn't like uh, true bye weeks and that they were still preparing. You know, there was, you know, portions where they weren't, I believe, even practicing due to, you know, the COVID outbreak on the team. But we'll move to who flashed, Mike, like some of the guys who um, specifically really stood out to you that, uh, you know, just popped. Yeah, Mayor, he's obviously going to be a stud I think it might have been his second catch on a crossing route. He goes up and gets the ball. And as he's looking in the ball, there's somebody coming to chop his legs out. He managed to jump and like he almost felt that guy. It was that way. Um, Mayor, Mayor pops. Um, you know, nobody's going to want to hear it, but I think, I think book had a nice game and kind of flashed. And obviously Kyron Williams, Tyree, the offensive line, they're going to get the game ball, but, I was really pleased with with book today. Um, and you're giving teams more to prepare for down the road. Um, McKinley had a great game, had a great game. So that was really nice to see for a kid that's been waiting his turn. Um, defensively, it's it's Kyle Hamilton and obviously Kamora was balling yesterday. But outside of those two, um, there's kind of a pedestrian effort sort of across the board on defense, but yeah, going back to my previous statement about us not filling our gaps on defense and just again, being leaky is the best word for it. When your free safety is your leading tackler. Um, those are tackles that a linebacker should be making, but the ball's popping through and now it's a seven yard gain and the safety's making the tackle. So Hamilton's a baller. Kamora, uh, Gosh, what a – we've touched on it. That guy is so decisive, and when he comes 
downhill. He had that great hit on that play, and he just has that ability to pull that trigger. And he needs to he needs to kind of spread that around that defense a little bit. Some of that confidence and that uh, self assuredness to pull the trigger and go get the ball. So listed off half a dozen guys, Mike. But um, yeah, great game all the way around. So looking at some areas of improvements, obviously kind of the, the plug up some of the, the leaks there that you mentioned. Um, anything else defensively that stood out to you as some areas of improvement and then anything offensively? I think, you know, starting with the defense, people have got to, and I hate to single out players, but like Drew White, he's always dancing with offensive linemen. So he's engaging with an offensive lineman and then he can't disengage from the block. So he's got to either figure out a way to slip a block, like to you know backdoor play, but he's just he's playing patty cake with these offensive linemen versus just inserting himself into his hole or his gap rather, like we saw from Kaiser. You know, I mean Kaiser's played one game, had eight tackles, a couple tackles for loss. Um, but I, whether it's across the board, whether it's Marist, whether it's um, Shane Simon, or actually flashed a little bit, kind of thinking the back. But Drew White, yeah, you've got to have somebody that's going to take the initiative um, there. And then to piggyback off of that, that play that Sean Crawford, that long touchdown that um, you know, he's going to take the blame from it or for it rather. But uh, we brought the house on that play, right? There was no, there was, it was a zero blitz. So even Kyle Hamilton was in man coverage or he was in, or he was blitzing himself, but there was no help over the top. And uh, our linebackers, um, they need to learn to like hold their water. It would be like coach speak, Mike. Sure. So they're they're um, they're telegraphing their blitzes. So if we're gonna bring the house on a blitz, like you got to hold your water um, and disguise it longer because then you're essentially you're leaving a corner out to dry because now the element of surprise is gone and then it's just one on one, which is a matchup that quarterbacks look for. So. Um, it's yeah. And I've seen it game after game after game. Everybody's inching up. These linebackers keep inching up when they know they're going to blitz. And it's, it's just those little things, Mike, when we talk about, um, is Notre Dame a championship level program? Those are little things that we've got to kind of clean up. Um, you know, we missed, uh, we missed a field goal when we play Clemson, you can't do stuff like that. You know, the two turnovers early, um, it's just, uh, dial in a little bit more and you're, you're looking to steadily improve and stop making these at the end of the day, nobody's going to second guess um, somebody not holding their water on a blitz. But when you play a team like a Clemson as well, coach and all the ability to have, it's got to almost be close to a perfect game. And um, we need to continue to improve there. For those who are watching live, make sure to in the chat, uh, on our YouTube, go ahead and send us a question. Or if you are a bloomandgold.com premium subscriber, make sure to ask us a question in the live show thread that we have going on. If you're not a subscriber, special opportunity for our YouTube listeners and for those uh, listening via podcast, use promo code BGI30, which will get you a month free of premium access. Mike, I want to spend a little time talking about the offense. Um, something that stood out to me is sometimes when you're watching college football, a guy, young guy will make a boneheaded mistake 
and then, or maybe not even boneheaded. They just kind of make a mistake, turnover is on them, and then the coach will yank them, and, and he's out of there. Well, Kyron Williams, this is a second-year player. Um, you know, he fumbles on that opening drive, but the coach is stuck with him. And then, obviously, it paid off because he had a huge game, Mike. Um, what was it? 19 carries, 185 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, he was just running free. Obviously, the offensive line had a huge part to do with that. But just how happy were you that they stuck with him instead of just subbing him out? Absolutely, yeah. That was the first note as I take notes watching, Mike. It was like, yeah, clearly Kyron's the guy. Um, and not that he has a long leash, but, yeah, that was really encouraging to see because, again, they are young people. They're kids out there playing. Um, yeah, and he's a hell of a player. But so, yeah, and maybe that speaks to – the evolution of Brian Kelly too, um, that he is going to be a little bit more patient and kind of trust what he sees as far as ability is concerned. Mm. Um, so I, I, you wonder what he would do though, Mike, if that was the Clemson game, which is, you know, fast forward a month or so. And then Kyron Williams fumbles on our second, third, fourth play of the game. Does he stay in? So maybe he had the luxury of playing a lesser opponent, um, this time around, but, uh, yeah, good for him. Good for Kyron. And it was, you know, offensively too, I know we talked about this earlier on in the season, week one, we were a little bit disappointed in the performance of the offensive line, but it does seem like they've kind of turned that corner and um, those guys up front are going to be something that the offense can lean on and obviously lean on very heavily. There was that one touchdown run. I can't remember if it was Williams or Tyree, so forgive me. Uh, they, they, they look similar out there, the 23 and 25. They but- sure do, yeah. Uh, Tommy Tremble's lead blocking. He can't even find anybody to block, Mike. I mean, just how mm-hmm. dominant was that offensive line? Well, it's some of those, um, yeah, super dominant. Uh, talk about gap discipline, really poor gap discipline on Florida State's part. Um, sometimes, like, yeah, you, you know, everything's going this way and their linebackers are flowing the other way. So, uh, yeah, it, they're awesome. That was an awesome game. Um, keep it going, going forward. Um, but yeah, that we ran a couple of those and Tony Dungy was doing a great job on TV. Like he, you know, predicted it like that counterplay that we had a lot of success with. So, um, and I know that going back to the conversation about the evolution of the offense, it seemed to me earlier in the season, most, if not all of our running plays were off tackle outside plays and I know that I talked about that. We need to be able to establish an inside downhill running game, which negates the speed on defense like a Florida State inherently has and like a Clemson will inherently have speed. They want to run. They don't want to bang inside. Um, and so this week you saw more between the tackle plays, um, which is just more multiples on the offensive side of the ball, giving teams different looks more to prepare for. So, uh, and hell, we're talking about game balls, and we I don't know if we got there yet, but who flashed? I thought Tommy Reese did a hell of a job, too. Mm. I mean, let's not let that, because he's evolving and he's growing, too. So, all the way around on offense, it, it just seemed like we had a, a bag of goodies, and we were just kind of pulling from it um, as the game went on. Bring up a good point, point there on Tommy. We thought he did a phenomenal job as play caller book. I want to get into him a little bit, Mike, with some of those downfield shots that he was taking. 
you know, I've seen a lot of fans, uh, whether it was on Twitter or on our blueandgold.com message board, that thought that was Ian Book's best game in, in, in quite some time. But going, you mentioned the counterplay. So, Mike, you're a, a former middle linebacker. Can you just kind of break that down, the misdirection, how hard that is? Because, you know, the, the defense starts flowing one way and then it cuts back the other way. Just how difficult of a play is that to stop? And, and how does Notre Dame run it so well? Yeah, it's, it's not that difficult. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing too difficult about stopping any sort of run play. It's just you have to understand where I have to fit. Um, and it looked like Florida State didn't. But on a counter play, the back takes one step one way and the guards pull. So then that linebacker has to believe in what he's seeing. Um, and they weren't. So, um, And then the other part was whoever you're outside, whether it's a defensive end or whether it's an outside linebacker, and you can teach it one of two ways, but most teams will teach the kid up to force the ball in almost to contain the ball. And their outside linebacker was just running up field. So where you referenced Tommy Tremble coming across on that, that, that kind of crack block or uh, trap block, there's nobody for him to, to kick out because the guy went up field. So that's a lack of discipline on their spot where if that outside linebacker sees a down block, he just has to stay put and then wait for a pulling puller to kick it out and then sort of restrict the running lane. So that's why it worked. It was more of a great play call. We're smart enough to go back to the well. We had some success with it. Um, but that's, that's how to stop it. It's just, again, your gap discipline. But teams like a Florida State, um, you, know, you see that they don't have that discipline. Everybody's trying to get up play, upfield and make sacks and make plays. And it's like, as an inside linebacker, you want your defensive lineman to keep everybody occupied and not try and go get sacks because they're just creating seams for me. So, One more question from me, Mike, that we're going to get into the comments on YouTube and from our blueandgold.com message board. Again, use promo code BGI30 to get a month free of premium access. Let's get into Ian Book. Um, you know, he's a fairly polarizing, not because of, you know, Anything that he's done, he's just that uh, a topic that you either love him or, or you you don't, and you want you know Brendan Clark or, or, or Phil um, starting uh, last year. So you've been a pretty vocal uh, supporter of Ian Book, and I agree with you that the, I mean last night he did play really well. Um, looking at the numbers, Mike, 16 of 25 for 201 yards and two touchdowns, quarterback rating of 157.9, and he had, and he had 58 rush yards and a touchdown on nine attempts. So what, what made him so successful um, on Saturday night? Well, before we get to that, you know, as a Notre Dame fan, as a football alum, as somebody that's, you know, broken bones for that program, it's like, why, I think we've touched on this before, but why not be an advocate? Like, as a fan, why not pull for, like, I'm pulling for Ian Book, right? Um, because it's good for the program. Um, but, yeah, he played He played great. Um, you could tell that having Lindsey back, having some different personnel pieces in there, he was looking to almost force the ball downfield. might be too strong of a um, And there was one ball where it looked like Lindsey almost gave up on it. And it's hard to tell sometimes from the camera angle on the television how close or far away that, that that ball was, but that was a beautiful ball that I looked like Lindsay could have extended himself and made that ball or made that catch rather. Um, but 
I think the biggest thing why Book looked so good yesterday, and, and I don't know this to be true, Mike, but maybe he's realizing that, gosh, he has all the time in the world. Mm. He has all the time in the world back there. So as I've been harping on, it's like, dude, chill out. You got time. You know, slow your feet down and step into your throat. Uh, and we've seen it week after week after week. He's got time. So uh, maybe he's just learning to play a little bit more relaxed. So he's not having the happy feet. He's not bailing out of the pocket too early and then checking down. So he's standing in there. He's delivering those strikes. Um, and, and Javon McKinley was the recipient of, of a few of them. He targeted McKinley five times, and McKinley had five catches for 107 yards. Uh, in That's got to be huge for his confidence that he stood in there. It was like, all right, I can trust this offensive line. I mean, that's got to help him in future games, right, Mike? It's like, all right, I can go back and watch the film, and I stood in there. I can trust this line. Yeah, we get more and more more timing, a better relationship, working relationship with Lindsey because he's throwing to a lot of new guys out there, which you have to take into consideration. I don't think that Book lacks in confidence, um, but in previous weeks, nobody was – I shouldn't say nobody, but it was – it didn't seem as though folks, guys were getting open and were available to catch the ball. So it's almost like Ian Book would be more frustrated than he would be lacking confidence. Um, and there were several plays yesterday. Eventually, when the pocket does break down, he doesn't have five seconds back there. I mean, I said he's got forever, but he has plenty of time to get through his progression and he'll hit a late crosser or his dump down guy. And then he's taking a hit, but he's got a super quick release. And he will hang in there and throw the ball. Um, you saw him run a couple times. We saw him get out of the pocket. So just a great all-around all game. The arrow was pointing up coming out of the Florida State game. Um, and then, obviously, the strength of the run game, the best uh, quarterback's best friend is a great run game. So, again, it's just a really nice, total, complete game for the offense. Yeah, we'd be really bad of our jobs here, Mike, if we just – didn't at least throw out that Chris Tyree had 11 rushes, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's going to, Mike, he's, he's going to keep getting better. And what has he played? You know, four games. games. How many? Three games. Three. Um, it, it, when he figures out the, the timing of some of these, how these, how some of these plays are blocked for him, and just, I think, has to slow it down 10, 15% his tempo, watch out. He's still figuring out the, the timing and as he gets more and more reps. Because uh, you could see some of those plays where he gets to the to the kind of the hole and the guy's still busy being blocked. And if he could just throw it, throttle it down a little bit, I'm really excited to see um, how he progresses throughout the rest of the season. Question from John Mishy from the message board. What grade would you give the defense and why? Oh, That's Mike, fun. can you jump in? I, I feel like I'm being overly harsh on the defense. Hey, you're a former defensive guy. I mean, I, I I'm just that. saying, what's the gentleman's name who asked the question? John. John? Well, John, as I'm, you know, you can look on uh, look online and look up your stats. So our two leading tacklers were a corner and a safety. Then you've got Cormoa. And I go down the list and like, you know. Shane Simon had three tackles. I think his first three tackles of the season. Drew White's got three tackles. So presumably, John, like, 
I don't know. You're going to you're going to see on the defensive side of the ball, 30, 35 run plays a game. And when your middle linebackers are making three tackles, that's problematic. I'd give him a, a C. Yes. I'd give him a, I mean, that's probably, I mean, you know, that's how I got through school was with C's on a good day. <laughs> but so I'm not, I'll take a C all day long, but uh, it's just one of those games. Like, come on, you know, 26 points to Florida state should, could have been 10. Um, and I did, I just, I did feel like that the defensive energy really fell off after that punt. And I think that that's something that's, and I know that, you know, you don't have the fans and I, I understand all that. Nobody else does, but, um, that's gotta be addressed where you have to keep that, that energy level up. Um, well, Notre Dame so, actually has just as many fans as anybody right now in the country. I mean, they yeah. at least have, you know, uh, 10,000 or so and, uh, there's some schools we're playing with zero right now, uh, but there's parts. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if viewers. I don't. Know, I, I don't know what anybody, how anybody else's perception of it is. But like, there are parts in that second half where it almost feels like a like a walkthrough slash scrimmage in terms of like the vibe or the energy on the field. Sure. Um, and it could just be you know the the kind of the game flow, but it's a little it's a little concerning for me, just a slightly con- concerning. Hopefully, coaches address that. To Braden Lindsay, we touched on him a little bit. Three catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown from the speedster from Oregon. He also had two rushes for five yards. And a question from Aerofan624 from our blueandgold.com message board says, what's the best way to get Lindsay more involved, kind of minus those end-arounds? Um, you know, it was Javon McKinley was the guy taking uh, – or was the guy getting those deep balls – um, Lindsay times caught all three and along a 14. So he was, um, not really using that deep downfield passing game. So Mike, what, what's, is there a, is there a really detailed solution here other than just have them run, run that nine route? Yeah, well, that's what it's going to be. It's very, very generically speaking, it's play action, deep threat over the top. And then it's some, some form or fashion, you have to occupy that free safety to take away that help over the top for a corner. And you got to look for that one-on-one matchup. And I also think that time, um, time will help more repetitions trying to find that connection. Um, cause they're there. I mean, they, they're, they're willing to take book showed he's willing to take the shot. If he's got the time, um, it's just getting it dialed in. But I think schematically speaking, you got to find a way to, occupy the safety whether that's running tremble up the, up the middle vertical seam to sort of take away that safety kind of put him in a 50 50 scenario is he going to roll off on Lindsay? or is he going to jump down and um help out with uh with tremble but i i'm not overly concerned about um about Lindsay and that that connection i just give it another game or two question from rob m asking about sean crawford who you talked about earlier he had some struggles. He also made some really nice plays as well. He said, do you like Crawford switch back to corner? Um, so this is a guy who was play corner and then started the season out safety. And Rob adds, it seemed like that second safety spot he left vacant by has become a position by committee. So um, what's your answer to that question, Mike? And just kind of your general thoughts on Sean Crawford's performance on Saturday. Um, I, I noticed on the play that he got beat deep. Um, he didn't close at all. So in that, if the receiver had a four yard, 
lead on him, right? He's four yards ahead of him. I didn't see Crawford close that gap at all, which was a little concerning. And you talk about somebody having catch up speed. Um, and that was kind of glaring on film. Uh, so that wouldn't shock me if he stays at corner. People don't try and throw deep balls on him because it didn't look like he had like, uh, like a lot of top end speed. So that was a little concerning. Um, yeah, I thought, and I thought, put it this way, Mike, I thought he looked better at safety than he, thus far, I thought he looked better at safety than he did corner. But I will say, um, I'm not in Coach Lee's head. I think that Coach Lee, it seems like, is moving some pieces around and he's using these games almost to evaluate who he has and what they're capable of and what they're not. Yeah, Notre Dame had a few corners who were in quarantine or, or contract tracing protocols until late uh, th- this past week. So I guess without those guys having a ton of practice, they decided to put Crawford there. That was something that Kelly revealed in his post-game press conference. So it just seems like Crawford's just that guy who's always around the ball. He just is a gamer. You know, he might not mm-hmm. have that closing speed. He just just make plays. I, I, it's possible that he could come back for seventh year um, with, with the NCAA having essentially a free. I guess that's right. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, amazing. And that's without, yeah. Uh, yeah. To answer the, the, the submitted question, I like him more at safety than corner, but also just to reinforce that point about coach Lee and moving pieces around. He's had that luxury because our, early season opponents haven't been world beaters. Um, and I just, I got to believe and That's sort of the, the approach that I've taken as a fan is that again, we're building, building, building. Um, and you get co- guys comfortable in different spots. So, but if he is a guy that's going to be a playmaker and get his hands on some balls and, and create some turnovers, um, the, the likelihood of him being able to do so, it's probably higher at safety than it is on an island at corner. It also helps that they've just recruited well. I mean, defense, coaching, recruiting, it's, it's just all been pretty uh, solid on that side of the ball, in my opinion. Um, I had a question from GH asking about <laughs> Phil Dracovic. Did you watch the Boston College game? Did you watch I any saw of that? A bit of, I saw a bit of it. What's the question? You have to believe that Ian is noticing what Phil's doing at Boston College probably inspires him to go downfield. I mean, I'm pretty sure Ian was getting ready for his own game and wasn't watching Boston College's game against Pitt, which I didn't watch, but um, Ian or Phil actually put up a pretty nice stat line. Um, Anything to uh, add on Phil Dracovic, Mike? Um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Uh, and I can, yeah, probably promise you that uh, Book's willingness to pull the trigger and throw some deep balls probably had a lot more to do with um, who was available to throw the ball to than it did him being envious of Dracovic's. Are you sure? I'm, you, you, I'm sure that's everything. Every time he steps into the huddle, Mike, it's, it's, I'm thinking about Phil, right? Are you uh, telling me that's not true? I, I, you know, I don't need somebody needs to, you know, you've got access, Mike. Somebody's got to ask you. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting concept, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the kid. Um, you know, God love him. Yeah. But uh, no, I, you're, I doubt you're not allowed to like both. You, you can't like both, Mike. You either got to love one or hate the other. That's, that's, that's what the fan base 
I don't know. I guess I just read my message board all day long, and that's that's what it seems like, especially on game well, hate day. My mom always told me hate's a strong word, and it's like it's almost it's next to impossible to hate somebody you never met before. So, you know, everybody needs to take a chill pill. Moving along, Brian Dembo says, "Hey, got to the show late. Should we, if this hasn't been covered already, should we worry about the 26th floor state hung on us?" So yes, yeah, so we discussed the leaking defense a little bit, Mike. Um, but is there any long-term concerns here? I, I would guess as the former linebacker, you would especially point to the, that, you know, the likes of Shane Simon's not racking up a ton of tackles. Yeah. Uh, and Brian, great to have you, whether you're late or not. Um, but yeah, and this is interesting. As an ex-linebacker, I tend to watch a linebacker. And I don't think, and I, I yeah, that's why I'll rewatch the games when I can, because um, I don't want to just focus on linebackers. But yeah, I'm disappointed in our linebackers, and it does it does concern me long term, because the same scheme that you saw Florida State running, it's specific to the run game. You're going to see the same thing with Clemson with better athletes, and they run it better. Uh, so like you know, I've got the the Clemson Miami game recorded. And, uh, but like, even when Trevor, like when Trevor Lawrence is carrying out his fakes, like he carries it out as if he has the ball. And so you saw a little bit of tepidness, continued tepidness from Drew White, where he's just, he's patting his feet and he's waiting, 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 waiting. And Travis Etienne is going to blow by you, dude, unless you decide to make a move. Um, and so you're either going to have to create some movement up front with your defensive lineman or your linebackers got to decide to shoot their gap like we saw from Kaiser. Right. And I'm just, I'm kind of tired of like, it's just a lot of my ex coach, Bob Dave used to call it oozing. Everybody's oozing around. And there's a lot of like, like oozing with Drew White where, uh, yeah, and he's get, he's just getting his ass kicked. And like another like linebacker terminology, he's a magnet. So if that, that guard rolls off on the second level, Drew White is a magnet to that, to that, guard and you're not on scholarship to dance with offensive linemen you either need to disengage or you need to avoid him entirely to begin with and yeah it's a problem kaiser looked better than what i've seen thus far shane simon finally got in on some action maris lufau go back and watch the tape guys there's plenties where the ball's going left and he's going right and i'm like bro i don't know what you're looking at i literally don't know what you're looking at um and it's just yeah as an ex-linebacker it's annoying to see um, and it does need to get cleaned up because we're going to get gashed uh, if it doesn't in a, in a month or so against Clemson. Yeah. yeah some uh, talk in the chat about Chase Claypool. Brian Dembo said it off subject. Anybody see Chase Claypool? Caught three touchdowns and ran for a score as well. The freshman, um, excuse me, the rookie <laughs> um, for the Pittsburgh. Same Steelers difference. Course. I was watching a little bit of that game before we came on. He actually had another touchdown called back where they said he pushed off. I saw and it that. was kind of an iffy. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we don't have a Chase Claypool this year. You know, we maybe have a play, Claypool light. I mean, the, the consensus coming in the season was Kevin Austin, but like we haven't been able to see much of him. I, he did play. He didn't record. What's his um, measurables, Mike? How tall? What's his like height, height weight off? Do you know off yeah, the top of your head? Um, I, I can pull it up. He is a big... Six two two fifteen. Yeah, well, McKinley's taller. Um, yes, I, yeah. Um, McKinley, McKinley's like six, six three, six four. 
McKinley's listed at 6'2", 215 by Notre Dame, which I, I, I also so, thought he was a little bit bigger. Well, some of those guys, too, like you know, these long athletes, like when you see them, if their arms are long and their legs are long from a, yeah. from a distance, they look as if they're taller than they are. But, yeah, McKinley would be the more, more of that Claypool, from what we've seen thus far, uh, Claypool-esque, but he's a tighter, kind of stiffer. He's not as fluid as um, right. as Claypool is. I mean, um, but it's all good. But that's, yeah, I would say McKinley right now. Wrapping up, Mike. So Duke game, 27-13. Uh, a bit of a sloppy win for Notre Dame, but hey, 14-point win against an ACC team after a crazy offseason. Not the worst thing in the world. And then USF's horrible. You steamroll them. Then you got the Florida State 42-26 to win. What is your kind of when you take a step back? You watch this game twice. You know, you watch the other two games. What, what, what's your vibe on this team? Is it you're, you're better than they thought you thought they were going to be coming into the season? Do you think they're the number, the fourth best team in the country? Like, what's your overall vibe with this squad right now? Um, I I really like our offense, and you just break it down position by position arguably the best offensive line in the country, talent-wise and experience-wise, two electric running backs. Uh, you do have some ability on the outside, which I think will continue to progress, and you've got a quarterback that's won a boatload of games and has a ton of experience. Um, you can go to bed like feeling good about that at night. Um, and then as like the offensive scheme, we can do a lot of things. So we can get Book out of the pocket. He can stay in the pocket. We can run the ball outside, inside. You've got weapons. Um, and I was, So I feel really good about the offense. I'm concerned about the defense because they haven't looked anything close to, like, dominant. It's just kind of a – it's, yeah, I'm concerned about the defense. So overall um, – I'm concerned about the defense. <laughs> going into going into the season, Mike, I feel like most people have said it would be flipped. Like, is Ian Book going to take that next step? Um, everyone felt pretty good about the offensive line, but who are the running backs? Who are the receivers? Like, it's just you lost a lot of talent there. This was the one uh, unit that you, you felt really good about. I mean, Elston has such a deep group there on the defensive line. Clark Lee is a wizard with the linebackers, and – and the back end, Tariq Bracey's coming back. Kyle Hamilton, you got some studs there. Um, you know, well, how many sacks? So put it this way: how many sacks did we have yesterday? So I look, you know, I look it up real quick. Four. Yesterday, as far as from a defensive line standpoint, we had two. Same guy had two sacks. So so break it down. So Bauer had a sack, obviously on a on a. It wasn't quite a blitz. He was sort of uh, shadowing their quarterback. Um, so you're not quite seeing, like, dominance. They're like, why sure. don't we have four or five sacks against a team like a Florida State? And that could be due to the lack of sort of juice, for lack of a better word, in terms of the, the intensity that's needed to play, like, high-level defense where you're flying around, man. Um, but, it, yeah, it's just a little concerning. It's just like – Outside of Hamilton and outside of Awusu Koromoa, it's just a, it's it's like kind of a bunch of guys. Um, 
and uh, except for Foskey too, it can kind of be that that third sort of guy that really stands out. So I'm Mike, just looking I, I, for. I think you're a little down based on last night. I think you're forgetting how good they were against Duke and USF. I mean, Ade Ogundiji, who you so, mentioned, is a baller. Jack Kaiser, we like a lot. I mean, I, 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 I'm just I'm just wondering. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it makes for good pods, but. Uh, you know, when we did the USF game, like, okay, Goolsby, what's your, what's your instinct? And I think the words that came my mouth, out of my mouth were, because um, I never quite know what the hell I'm going to say, but I was like, <laughs> USF's, USF's not a very good team. Was my the first thing team. I said. They were not a good, uh, they're not a good team. So, like, they looked dominant-ish against USF. Um, and I know they had time off and this and that, but I'm talking the fundamentals of defense, Mike, like you have to be able to stop the run and you're giving up 150 yards on the ground to a, a, a bad team in Florida state who happens to run a very similar run game, have a similar run game as you're going to see with Clemson. And it can be fixed, but like dudes have got to be willing to do their job and stick their head in there and stop dancing. Go watch the tape, Mike. Sure. You know what I'm saying? ETM's going to make people look bad if, if, if we don't, learn how to fill our gaps correctly and our free safety shouldn't be your leading tackler and your middle linebacker shouldn't have three. So going back another big picture question here, Mike. So I believe it's since that abysmal 2016 season, I I think Notre Dame is now was at 36 and six. Um, And you see Oklahoma, you know, they, they drop a game. LSU's already lost two games. I know they lost a, a ton from their championship team last year, but how impressed are you with just the steadiness of this program the past few years? I mean, college football's been crazy. All these top teams keep losing. I mean, that's every year. It's even more so now, it feels like, since uh, it's been such a wild off season. But, I mean, is it just impressive that they don't lose these games that they're supposed to win? Sure, you know, Georgia, they lost to a couple times. Clemson's a tough hurdle, but it's got to go to something that you keep holding serve and beating these teams that you're supposed to beat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's impressive, but on the, the other side of that coin, right, as all us fans feel, it's frustrating, too, because you beat everybody you're supposed to beat, you handle your business, and then when it comes to the, the crucible, the, the game of the year, we've sort of dropped the ball. Would it be better if Notre Dame just lost a couple of these games so fans would get down? <laughs> I don't think, yeah, you'd have to, you're asking the wrong guy. But no, I've always been, I've always been impressed. And we've talked about this at length, Mike, in terms of Notre Dame fandom, what the program represents, who those kids, you know, what the school, what the program, what the experience of being a Notre Dame football player does for these guys. So yeah, we win 10 games every year. It's, um, it's it's super impressive, but and maybe I am being overly critical, but it's uh it's tough love because I'm just telling you, Clemson's coming and it's like and ETN's a, a hell of a player and obviously Trevor Lawrence is who he is and he'll carry the ball too, so it's just something that where it's like gut check time like, hopefully those inside inside guys cut the film on the, you know, this morning and I. I I just they, – they're honest with themselves. They got to they gotta play better, and they got to be more physical and more downhill and more decisive. 
Well, that's going to do it for this live show here. I'm Mike Singer, and I'm joined by Mike Goolsby here. We'll do this again after the Notre Dame-Louisville game. The Irish, man, four, four home games to open the season here. Of course, the Wake Forest game got canceled, but Notre Dame will have another home game, 2.30 p.m. Eastern kick against the Cards. And after the game, we'll be on. Check our ublueandgold.com 15 minutes after the game, and we'll be here to break it down if you're watching on youtube live or you're watching it back please like the video and subscribe and if you're listening via podcast please leave us a five-star yeah. review, review yeah if, Big, if if you like it like it yeah you know well yeah <laughs> you like even it. if you don't just leave a five-star then never watch again that's fine too big thank you again to blakeway panoramas for bringing some fighting our spirit into my home my home office I love my 2017 Notre Dame Stadium panorama shot. It is just beautiful. All right, that's going to do it for us. Mike Singer, Mike Goolsby, and the Blue and Gold staff, thank you so much for watching or listening.